because I think everyone craves a bit of connection. You know, we're so in the digital world, we can be so disconnected and so absorbed in our own kind of bubble that it's yep. like, I think people really crave real experiences and real connections with people. So when you can deliver that in whichever way, whether that's performing or online, you know, it's, it's, that's, that satisfies something for you and for them, you know. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. My interview today is with Australian artist Preta Greeley. We have some really interesting conversations, and she's got a lot of experience touring, especially in Europe. You'll also absolutely love her accent. So without any further ado, I don't want you to have to wait any longer to hear my interview with her. Here's some information about Preeta Greeley. Preeta Greeley, Australian hip soul folk live loops. Once you experience Preeta's exceptional live loop show, you'll be hooked by her soulful rhythmic songs and captivated by her stunning vocal performance. It's easy to see why European audiences are sitting up and taking notice of the captivating musician from Fremantle. After supporting the likes of Simply Red, John Paul Young, and Ed Kowalczyk of the band Live, Prina moved to Berlin to pursue her international touring dream and has been busy touring Europe and the UK ever since. Here is my interview with Prita Greeley. So that's a little bit about Prita Greeley. So Prita, is there anything about yourself that's maybe unique, different, uh, something that's not mentioned in your bio that's a little more personal that you think our listeners should know? Yeah, probably a lot of stuff. <laughs> when, when, I saw it, when I got this question, I was kind of like, oh, what should I tell you? There's like so much juicy stuff. But uh, probably, probably one of the most juicy things is that um, I was brought up with my parents for following an Indian guru. Oh my gosh, that is different. Yeah, really different. So I grew, I grew up in like small country towns in Australia, like moving all the time. And my family were wearing orange and red and beads and doing meditation and incense and stuff. So I was kind of like the weird kid at school most of the time. Wow. That's something about me. (laughs) That is really interesting. It's it's not the same one that um, that movie is made about, is it? The the Rajneesh guy? Yes, it It is. is. Oh my God. It is. There you go. Yeah, yeah I so it's, it's that documentary like a few weeks oh, ago. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. My my uncle just recently showed me a couple of like snippets and I was like, oh my, I have to watch that. Like, no, you to have to watch I... it. But so you never came to the United States? No, I didn't. And and my parents, uh, my parents didn't go to the United States either, but they went to India. They went to Pune where he was wow. like had an ash- ashram there. Mm-hmm. But my un- my uncle, he actually worked in the ranch in, in wherever it was, the middle of nowhere. He oh, actually wow. worked there. As um, in on the land, yes. yeah, yeah. 
So he knows a lot about it. So I was like, wow, so interesting talking about it with him. <laughs> that is really interesting. Yeah, everyone, you should watch that documentary. Everyone that's listening, it is a really interesting documentary yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's... The name of it at the moment. Uh, it. Like as in the, we're in the interview, I'm sure it'll come. Yeah. Wow, that, yeah. is, that is really interesting. So you didn't end up like continuing to follow that as you got older? Um, I think, I think it definitely had a big influence on me as a person and as a, like spiritually, I think it had a big influence on me, mm. but also just, I think, I mean, there's positives and negatives of any way that you're brought up, I think. And for me, it gave, on one hand, it gave me a lot of freedom and a lot of very open mind about mm. the world and people and experiences. But on another hand, sometimes there was a lack of boundaries and a lack of structure, which as a child, you sometimes crave, you know, so. or you don't know that you crave it even then. Yeah. You know, you, once you yeah. get it, you're like, ah, oh, that feels good. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot of, I mean, and there's also a lot of stigma and stories attached to that, that whole thing, that whole thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But then there's the people that were in it and understood it, you know, mostly already had a great experience with it. And the people, a lot of people on the outside looking in thought it might've been a cult or this or that. And for us, it really wasn't that, you know, I mean, maybe for some people it was, but for us, we were a normal family that lived in little towns and occasionally we lived in communities where there was other families too, but most of the time we just kind of lived our own lives and did our own thing. Yeah, I definitely got that from the documentary that like, you know, for everybody that was in it, it was amazing and and normal and stuff. By the way, I just remembered it's called Wild Wild Country. That's the name of it. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Ha ha. Not that Check we're going to make a whole interview about this, but it's really <laughs> so definitely it is. watch that, you guys. <laughs> All right, <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about music. How did you get into music? Well, I, I always sang ever since I was very little, and um, my parents gave me a, a little classical guitar when I was about, I don't know, three or four years old, and I remember holding it and it being almost bigger than me. Mm. And I'm left-handed, so they, they actually had it restrung so that it would be like left-handed playing guitar. Oh, cool. But I kept turning it over all the time. So I'm like, oh God. So we went to all this effort to make a left-handed guitar for you. You don't even play it that way. <laughs> so I, I play right-handed, but I just, uh, yeah, so it was quite funny. But um, that's, I guess, how I really started. And then many years later, I actually started taking lessons when I was about 13 or 14, did a, um, started doing classical because my best friend was doing classical guitar. So I wanted to do everything she did. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And I only did that for about a year before I moved. And then I just ended up jamming with friends and joining bands and, you know, just, you know, bit bit of this and that. So were you always singing as well? I was always singing. I think singing's always been my my first instrument for sure. Um, Singing and um, performing in general. I loved being, loved being on the stage, loved doing drama and music and dance, anything to do with getting on the stage and performing. I just was like, yeah, pick me, pick me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did, did you have a plan to have a career in music or did it just kind of organically happen? I never, never didn't really have a plan for it. I guess I always wanted it and loved it so much, but I didn't think it was actually possible. Mm. So it really took a lot of like breaking through mindset and, um, self-belief kind of stuff to actually start doing it as a career because I really like I my last high school because I changed schools quite a lot moving around it for example my last um high school was in Bega in New South Wales and the um small country town you know farmland area the um in year 10 we do like this work experience for a week or two and I said to the guy hey I want to do dance in Sydney and he's like oh no it's not possible you can be 
nurse, doctor, uh, nurse, secretary, or, you know, one other. There was about three choices, three boxes you could tick. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be any of those things. Like, so that was the kind of thing I was surrounded by too, very kind of closed minded and thinking about what you could do as a career, you know? Yeah. So I, anyway, I ended up getting around that and just my dance teacher organized it for me and it, that was great. Awesome experience. But yeah, when I left high school, I'd, I'd applied for, actually applied for a jazz conservatorium to like, I auditioned to be like do jazz singing. And I went there and I auditioned and I didn't make it through the audition and I was really like nervous and not really sure about the whole thing. And then, so I changed all my preferences last minute to like other things just so I could get a place in some mm. university somewhere. Yeah. So I got, I got accepted into these other courses and didn't do them and just went off and worked instead. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician? Are you making your full-time living from music or do you have some other kind of side gigs going on? I'm full-time musician now. Yeah. Wow. And I've been for about about 10 years now, almost wow. coming up to 10 years. Yeah. So I've, I, um, how, how I like really made that transition was, um, I was working on a private yacht for a couple of years in the States, which was also incredible. And about halfway through that, I had kind of a, um, um, one of those moments, you know, those life changing moments where I was like, I can't do this forever. Even though it's amazing. It's not my heart. It's not my soul. You know, I'm not expressing myself and, and I realized in that moment I needed to start doing music and performing again. And mm. so I just, I said yes to every single opportunity that came my way. And I've started putting myself out there in front of like asking bands like, Hey, do you know where I can play? And every single person I asked offered me to come and open for them the next night, every single time. Wow. So, cause I wasn't asking for any money or anything. I just wanted to do it you know, for the experience of just getting out there again. How, so and, how did uh, you transition from that into the money part? So I was at that point, I was, um, about halfway through working on the boat. So I was like one year into it or something. And, um, so I still was working on the boat and I was saving up a lot of money by working on the boat and then just take, it's just saying yes to every single opportunity that came my way. And about halfway through that next season, I got this really random, amazing opportunity through MySpace. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I was like, is this for real? It was a, um, it was an opportunity to work in Thailand for a month at a five-star resort playing six nights a week, four sets a night, playing music. And I was, so I said yes to it because that was my thing. I have to say yes to every opportunity that music comes my way. I said yes. And then I got there. I was like, holy shit, how am I going to do this? Mm. This is intense. And I hadn't played that much music in that amount of time ever in my life. And I'd said yes to this. <laughs> so I was like, I have to figure out how to do this, you know? So that was my first stint of actually making money. That, that paid really well. They wow. paid for my flights. They paid really good wage for me to be there playing every night. Um, and that kind of something clicked in my brain and was like, oh, maybe I could do this traveling thing that I love and play music and make mm. money. Maybe there's a way, you know. So I think, yeah, from that it took, I did another six months on the boat and then I decided to go home to Australia and just because I had some savings behind me by that point. I thought, okay, now is my chance to really just go for it. So I've got some savings behind me. If it all goes to crap, then I can just, you know, fall back on, go back to the boats or I can go back and do something else. But I just really decided to channel all my energy into like getting bookings and getting gigs and putting myself out to booking agents and just, and I got really busy doing that. Mm, That's cool. That's awesome. So, you know, we have a lot of 
musicians that are just starting out or are struggling or maybe in that mindset thing that you were talking about where they don't yeah. actually have a career with music. So is there any story that you could tell them from your journey that, you know, a time period when you were like, oh my gosh, this is not working. I'm frustrated. I feel like I need to give up, but you push through it anyway. And you know what you learned, how you kept going. Yeah. I, I'm think like when I, when I think about that, it's like, there's so many times when I've had to push through that. It's like, there's not like one defining moment when I've gone, oh, I feel like giving up. It's like, it's a thing that comes back every now and then. And it, and it goes, it's like, man, this is really hard right now. Or I'm not making enough money or I'm just, um, getting rejected from some things that I want to be doing and, and the disappointment and having to like really deal with that in yourself. But I think it's just really a matter of like kind of almost nurturing yourself and going and like, and talking yourself through it and going, you know, Hey, think of all the, like, think of all the positive things that you've have come your way, like count up all the compliments you've received for your music or for your performance or your voice or whatever, your songs and, and like weigh that against this one or two things that are kind of kicking you down because sometimes the things that kick you down feel like the biggest, hardest thing. But if you look at really the balance of it, you're getting just as much, if not more positive stuff. And that can pull you through sometimes. That's really um, good. That's really good. I totally yeah. encourage any, you know, musicians that I work with to keep like a file, you know, whether it's in your computer or, you know, like a, I keep a segment of my email stuff, you know, folder that says testimonials or, you know, yeah. some people call them like, you know, um, you know, fan responses or my yeah, happy or praise or, or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. 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 Any, just the things that you can go to remind yourself that like, you know, there's that one frustrating thing, but there's all those other amazing things that happen. Yeah. And I think it's so important to be kind to yourself because it is a really hard, it can be very hard industry to work in. And there's a lot of rejection that you have to face all kinds of things, but it's like, it's like that thing you've got to knock on a hundred doors to get through 10, whatever, but you, but you will get through those 10, you know? Yep. And then it'll be worth it. It'll be worth all those ones that said, no, no, not interested. No. mm -mm." And then you'll get the t- these 10 amazing things that happen and you're like, oh my God, that was so worth pushing through because finally I got those 10 things, you know? It's so true. It's so true. And, and I think we think that this is just isolated to the music industry and it isn't like that, you know, have, have any of you ever worked in sales? Like it is a nightmare, you know, of trying mm. to get people to say yes to you. It's the same thing as what we're doing as musicians. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, there's a there's a difficult part to every profession I think and yeah know, for for us, sure. like getting those bookings and you know getting ourselves out there and having to deal with that rejection yeah. so let me just totally flip the conversation here because sure. I was looking at you know your website and what you do and I was really intrigued by the fact that you use a looping machine when you're performing yeah I have a friend that performs like that and it just amazes me because for me you know, being able to play and sing at the same time was hard enough, but being able to think about this whole other thing going on, I think it's an absolutely awesome way to perform. And it just makes it so interesting and cool. And you, you can do it all yourself and not have to have a band. How do you do that? Like, what is the, what is the learning curve for being able to do that? And how much like multitasking has to go on in your brain when you're performing to do that? 
Yeah, I, I guess when I first got it, I um, <laughs> I always think of myself, or I thought of myself before as a technophobe. Like I, mm. I was like, oh my god, I don't know how to even plug it in, and oh, what does it do? And it took me such a long time, even after I bought it, to actually sit down and plug it in and learn how to use it. And probably about six months of playing with it at home and just mucking around on it before I could actually had the confidence to take it to the stage with me and just try some of the things I'd been doing at home. And I guess I just started with some really simple things, like some simple harmonies and just one or two things just to build up choruses and stuff. And then over time, you just like, I I actually find that I I quite often just improvise at a gig and I just try something new at the gig on the moment. Because why not, you know, because it does become a part of you. It's almost, it really does become a bit like riding a bike or driving a car because mine has just got the two pedals. Mm. So it's quite a simple one. So you've got the record and the, on one side, record play on one side or the stop and delete on the other side, basically. And for me, it's all about the time. The timing is the main thing. So once you've got the timing and you're really feeling the timing of the music in your body, it's so much easier just to like press that at the right moment to record. Mm. And when you press, when you've got the right timing for a loop, everything else kind of falls into place, I find. Right. That makes that, sense. I think, yeah. I mean, I was even just thinking of it of like having stuff pre-recorded and then performing it, but like doing it live, recording something yeah. while you're going and then, wow, that's just, it's, it's pretty amazing to me, I think, because yeah. it does require like so many different facets of your brain and a lot of focus, I think. Yeah, I guess, I guess it does. And I think, I think for me, I was just really like, I, um, I saw Katie Tunstall do it years ago and I was like, mm. wow, that's incredible. I want to do that. And because I've always been a huge fan of harmonies and voices. So I was like, I, and I, for me, harmonizing is quite natural and, and I love doing it. So I was like, oh, maybe I could do it myself if I had a loop pedal. And I wouldn't need a band, wouldn't right. need like other people to sing with me. And just, you know, how much easier it is to organize one person as opposed to three, oh, four, five gosh. people, you know. It makes such a difference, right? You can't, yeah. it's so hard to book things when you have to be constantly conferring with these other people. Can they do it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, I love playing with a band and I still, to this day, like I, I really enjoy it when I get the chance to play with a band or jam with other people. It's like, it's such magic when you have different energies on stage, but having the independence and freedom to do it by myself is also awesome. I love that. Because <laughs> like, yes, I can go anywhere, anytime. Someone can call me now and say, what are you doing on Wednesday? And I'll be like, okay, yep, yeah, I can come, you know? Mm, yep. Absolutely. I just love yeah. that, that mobility that you have being a yeah. So yeah. I wanted to find out, since you're from Australia, how did you become so plugged into the European market? Because I noticed you're just doing tons of stuff in Europe. Yeah, um, I guess, like, I think it started because I was just so curious and I love traveling. Like, I just love it. So mm-hmm. for me, it started off as a passion for travel and adventure. And I, I did a one trip to, the, to Europe backpacking years and years ago. Mm. And I actually, that time, this is a great story actually for people that are struggling. So the time I went backpacking, I left Australia, I left everyone and everything that I had there. Um, big decisions to do that just because I really needed to just go and see the world. Like I just had this burning desire inside me that I have to just go and see what else is out there. You know? And so I had this massive backpack that was way too ridiculously big. Um, and I had my guitar and I took it, I lugged it all the way around Europe thinking that I would play gigs, didn't play one single gig, not mm. one. But I took that guitar with me because it was like a little comfort blanket almost. But at that point, I was just not, I was not confident enough to, to book and play gigs. I just, I wasn't. 
you know, I'd played gigs in Australia, but it felt like such a big, scary thing to do it in Europe. I was like, oh, I don't even know where to start. And, yeah. and I just think it's really funny that I actually took the guitar, I carried around the whole everywhere. Like I, I went to lots of countries, you know, didn't play one gig. Um, and then years later, I, um, after I did this, you know, this stint on the boat and then went home, and became a full-time musician. I got a lot more confident at performing and booking. And and then I, I started booking my next European tour. And I did two European tours from Australia. So came over for two months um, and just went all over the place, anywhere mm-hmm. I booked a gig. Basically just made ends meet, didn't really make a lot of money, but I had great experiences and, right. you know, really satisfied that travel bug in me. And But then, then I went home to Australia and I was just like, oh, just, I just want to go back. <laughs> I, just want, I want to stay over there because it just felt like there was so many, for me, it felt like so many more opportunities to play and in so many different countries and everything's so close together there compared to Australia. It's true. You know, Australia is a bit like the States, you know, you, you, I mean, a little bit different. We have to travel for like maybe, you know, four, five, six, maybe even eight hours to play to a crowd of maybe 30 or 40 people. Oh my gosh. And it's like, wow. and you're like, is it really worth the money and the time of the traveling, the effort to tour? Uh, that's from the West coast. If you're on the East coast, things are a bit closer together, but even then like flying from East to West is like five, $600, you know, yeah. just oh, yeah. for that one flight. And then you've still got to book cars and accommodation, whatever. So it just felt like a lot more opportunity, a lot more people in a lot smaller space. And, and then I could still explore the world, you know, do, do this traveling adventure stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love the travel too. So I, I love that combination. Yeah. Okay. So with all that you've done, um, all the performing, you know, all the really cool traveling and everything, is there anything that you would say, oh my gosh, this is so mind blowing. I can't believe this happened. You know, I'm pinching myself that I even got this opportunity. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of times when, when I've had those moments where I'm just like, wow, look at where I am right now. Like a lot of the, the countries I've been to, um, where I'm even, even just the other day, like I was playing in St. Moritz in Switzerland mm. and like I play, I play there every year. I play a gig there in an after ski bar and it's a cool little gig. And, but just like in the day I was just like trekking through the forest and like walking to this other town and just like having a moment where I was like, wow, I'm like literally on top of the world in this amazing place. I get to play music every night. My life's pretty bloody awesome. Like this is amazing. You know, like, you know, that was, you know, just one example of like, wow, you know, and really pinching myself going, I'm so happy that I've chose this path and this is how far I've come. You know, it's worth all those struggles and all those, you know, doubts and whatever. It's totally worth it to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get to so many things that we don't. Yeah. And, you know, and there's other times when, you know, I've met some really amazing heroes of mine, like famous musicians where, um, like in Australia, I did an, a support for, um, the, the guy from live, Ed Kowalski from live. Oh yeah. I saw that. I love live. Yeah. And, and like, I, I bought their CD when I was like 17 or 18 and listened mm. to it religiously for a year, you know, burnt it out. And sang all the songs. And then when I had that opportunity to do his support, it was just me with my loop pedal. And then he was playing after me solo. So I was like, Oh my God. Like that was, that was an incredible moment to like meet someone that I had idolized and had been like this untouchable person 
And then suddenly to just be playing a gig alongside, basically, I was just like, wow, that was, and then, you know, he, he came in and had a chat after the gig and was really nice and complimentary and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> this is, that is definitely really sweet. Really wow. sweet. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your streams of income. Obviously you get a lot of yeah. income from performing live, but how does that, how does that look? Like, are you still selling CDs at gigs? Are you selling online downloads? Do you have any like licensing? You know, how does it kind of flush out? Um, yeah, for me at the moment, the main source is probably from live gigs because I do a lot of touring. Um, and then royalties from those, like live performance royalties from those gigs. Um, in Europe, I still sell, depending on which country, some countries they still buy CDs and some are more like digital downloads. Um, so I do both. Um, pardon me. Um, what else? I'm getting, I'm just starting to get into music licensing. So I've had a few bites of people interested in stuff. I haven't actually license anything just yet, but I'm sort of on that cusp, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work towards it and study towards it and I'm, I'm applying for things. Um, what else? Oh yeah. And then like, yeah, my, my e-course, my singing e-course and I do a little bit of coaching sometimes too, just like one-on-one coaching. So that's my main. Yeah. And is your that's one-on-one coaching like usually in person or online? Um, it's online. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do people find you? Do you just kind of meet them along the way and they ask, you know, if, can you mentor me? Yeah, I just, I mean, I meet a lot of, um, a lot of people just, you know, randomly, but I, I actually have a lot of people email me randomly as well. Like a lot of musicians that are coming to Europe and just have seen somewhere online that I'm playing a lot of gigs and they're like, oh, hey, could you help me get some gigs or mm. have you got any tips for me? And, and I have even like done some booking for some um, musicians that have come over um, from different countries and whatnot, or I've just kind of passed on some details, but it's like, I can't, I can't sort of exactly help every single person like by booking gigs for every single person because it's just right. too much time and energy, right. you know, so not really worth the time and energy, you know, so it's better sometimes then to do like coaching and help them find the right way to do it themselves. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. And as far as CDs, so you are still seeing that people are buying CDs at gigs. Yeah, it, it just depends which country. So like, I mean, Germany's good for buying CDs. Um, Norway a little bit, England a little bit. And it, I think it also depends what kind of concerts you're doing, like much more um, CD sales at festivals or house concerts. Mm-hmm. Not so much in pub gigs or, yes. um, you know. Makes like sense. You're having a lot yeah. more like personal connection with them at house concerts and yeah. then festivals, like people come in expecting to want to buy stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, so yeah, that makes a huge difference as well. The type of gig for sure. And what about like streaming income? Are you, are you, are you finding that Europeans are going on Spotify and listening to your stuff once they hear you at a show? Um, I think that's still just starting to happen. Um, probably because I wasn't, really promoting it that much before. So I'm just, I mean, I'm still learning as I go as well. You know, how, what, what do I need to push now? Cause there always seems to be so many fingers in different pies, you know, yep. <laughs> like yep. what, what do I need to promote at this point in time? So yeah, I'm still just encouraging people at the moment to, you know, join me on Spotify and I don't really make a lot of money from that at the moment, but maybe one day I will. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, just growing and you know, we're just getting started yeah. with that for sure. So what are your favorite kind of gigs to book? when you're performing, you know, throughout Europe, are they like festivals or more like intimate, like house concerts or pubs? What do you love to, to do? And, and are you booking them yourself? Or are you having any help? Um, I really love doing, I mean, I love doing festivals. I think that's a really, music festivals is a great 
audience, you know, for, for live music, music, you know, when you're playing, it's like, that's an ideal audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I do enjoy some of the house concerts as well. And I, there's a lot of really intimate gigs that I do with like maybe up to maybe 50, 60 people. And that's in a, in a small room in different venues, music venues, where it's like a really, they're really sitting and listening and watching and they're really engaged. And I love that, like that connection with people. Um, I agree. I'd much rather to perform to 50 or 60 people that are really paying attention than yeah. a thousand people that are not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it is such a different energy, you know? And yeah. I mean, if you can play a, a gig to a thousand and they're actually interested and connected and watching, then that's brilliant, you know, then that's a great mm-hmm. energy as well. But it's, that's not as common as the smaller venues, you know? And are you doing um, all your own booking? Pretty much. Yeah. I do. Like, yeah. I, I did have a booking agent for a few years. I've worked with a few different booking agents, um, over the years. Um, and, but at this point in time, I'm doing most of the bookings myself. And then I work in collaboration with a couple of agents that work with specific venues. Oh, so got it. That, you know, they'll always book through those agents for that venue. You know. So let me ask, because I have, you know, I work with a lot of students that are doing their own booking and yeah you know, you're performing all the time. So you're spending tons of time actually performing. How much time do you actually have to spend doing the booking part? And do you feel like you are constantly running out of time to to stay ahead of the booking curve? Or do they start to come your way and you don't have to do as much work? It's a bit of both. Um, it, like I, I really love it when it comes my way. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like the favorite time when you've like done put all this hard work in and then like you're just kind of sitting back and going, oh, they're asking me for playing gigs. Yep. Sure, I'll do that. You know, that's really nice. But I, like, I definitely feel like you have to be at least six months to a year ahead with bookings mm-hmm. in Europe. A lot of venues book out, you know, way in advance. So you just really have to stay ahead of that, the ball, you know, ball game or whatever. And... I've forgotten what the question was. But you know, I found like for me, you're, you're lucky that you're just like a single unattached person that, you know, yeah. for me, I found that I would have to book, like you said, six months to a year in advance, but like all the calendars that relate to like my kid's school and all that stuff wouldn't come out that early or right. you know, when they needed to go to camp and all that stuff. And I'm like, I have to plan this far in advance how am I supposed to plan around these other things when you guys won't even tell? Like there's, I mean, oftentimes the school doesn't even know when the first day of school is until like May. Wow. <laughs> for a day that is in August. So it's wow. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, when I had, when I did do some, like I did do some part-time teaching at one point in Berlin, mm-hmm. I was teaching like um, some singing and guitar lessons in an after-school care type situation. And then that was interesting having to be, you know, kind of work around the school system and, and the days that they had holidays or didn't have holidays. And when I had tours coming up and I would have to be like, I'm really sorry, but I've got to go. Like I've got a tour. I can't, you yeah. know, that's, that's already booked. Like since a long time, not changing it. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard to, to fit those two kinds of lives together. That's for sure. Yeah. They don't get yeah. it. Like they will just change it. No, yeah. <laughs> I've had this no. for a year. Yeah. That doesn't work quite like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. So how do you like to engage with fans online? Is there any way that you find is, is really good for you to engage with fans and attract new fans online? Yeah, I feel like um, I really, I'm really loving Facebook Lives at the moment mm-hmm. just too. because I, I find it really easy just to talk to people. Like I, I, I love people, so I love chatting with people. And when I see people online, I'm happy to 
you know, chat away. Um, and I've been trying to do, well, when I was at, like in Switzerland recently, I was doing this whiskey and warm-ups with Preda, you know, oh, <laughs> so like, so, yeah, yeah, it was really fun because I love whiskey. So I was kind of like, I had, I had this beautiful, tiny little bottle of whiskey with me and I would be getting ready for my gig, um, doing warm-ups anyway. And I'd be all dressed up ready for my gig. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, perfect opportunity to do a little quick live, do a song or two, say hello to people people and just practice, you know, interacting and engaging with my fans, you know. And I found that like had so much, so much interaction from people when I did that. Whereas um, other forms like, you know, I, I do have obviously a mailing list as well, which I send maybe once a month an email out to people. And I do get sometimes people emailing back, which is really nice. Um, but the instant kind of gratification, I guess, of when you do a Facebook live and see people online and they're oh talking gosh, to you, it's kind it. of like, I love oh. that <laughs> conversation back and forth, you know? Yeah, me too. I love it. That connection, you know, because I think everyone craves a bit of connection, you know, we're so in the digital world, we can be so disconnected and so absorbed in our own kind of bubble that it's yep. like, I think people really crave real experiences and real connections with people. So when you can deliver that in whichever way, whether that's performing or online, you know, it's, it's, that's, that satisfies something for you and for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's true with our peers too. You know, that's one reason I created the female indie musician community on Facebook. And I know you're a part of that and you are a really great contributor to that. And I just love that we can have this community of musicians where we can get that kind of support. So like, you know, you're out there touring by yourself and you can still have kind of this community online. Yeah. Awesome. So let me ask you about your course. We talked a little bit about your e-course and how that brings in a little bit of income for you. What made you create this course, you know, that's basically singing for non-singers? Did, yeah. There's somebody or experience that inspired you to create, create this kind of course? Yeah. Well, I just, I was just hearing like a lot around the place, like uh, online a lot. And like just seeing people mention like, Oh, I wish I could sing. Oh, I can't hold a tune. Oh, this. And I was like, I'm sure you can. Like if you train yourself, I'm sure you can. Like, I don't think it's impossible to train a voice, you know, and to train your ear to be able to hear the notes and to be able to really tune in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing a lot of, it was actually, cause I'm in a lot of different groups online for different, you know, entrepreneur things and mindset things and, and whatnot. And so I was seeing a lot of women specifically, you know, kind of mums and, and women that might've sung when they were a lot younger and then don't sing anymore or, or might've had someone tell them that they couldn't sing at some point. So they just shut up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so sad. That is so sad because singing gives me so much joy, so much, you know, it, it just, when I've, if I've been sad for a while, I know I probably haven't been singing, you know, <laughs> it's, like, right. it's like, if I sing, it just makes everything better. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I've got to somehow be able to share this gift with other people because I'm sure that other people can learn how to use their voices in their own way and just unlock whatever it is that needs to come out of them just for mm. expression. And, and I think, I think the voice is so powerful, you know, not, not just for singing, but also the words you speak and what you ask for and what you put out there in the world. And so what a, what a beautiful thing if you can help people unlock their voice, you know? Absolutely. Do you find that a lot of your students are people that like have had this on their bucket list? Like they love music, learn how to sing, but they didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. How did you decide like what, how to create this course, you know, how to make it available online? And did you take, you know, somebody, did you have a mentor in that? 
Yeah, well, I actually, um, like I've been, I've done a lot of e-courses and I'm currently still doing a lot of e-courses online. So I've been a student, you know, Me I've been too. on that side for, for a long time, you know, for many years. Um, and I guess you learn a lot, even being a student, like what works and what doesn't work and what's motivating and, you know, what kind of delivery and format works as a student, you know, from that side. Right. Um, and then I did, I actually bought someone's course, someone's e-course about how to make e-courses. So, I love it. So, um, yeah, so that started off with the first project was to make an e-book and then, and then put that out there. So that's what, you know, we all did that. And then the next thing was to do an e-course and like put that out there. So, um, yeah, so it was just kind of like following the step by step, like, okay, what do we do next? And it was a very much like a DIY kind of version of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I know that there's a lot of um, platforms you can use, which are, um, like Kajabi and Teachable and all these ones where, where they're like set up and you just kind of upload your information into that, which I think is yeah. fantastic as I well. I use Teachable and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great because it's like a system that is like flowing and works and it's like a proven system, you know, mm-hmm. but this one that I did was like a more of a DIY. So you build it all from your WordPress website and, wow. you know, back from the back end, you know, and so it's quite intense to be yeah. honest, to create it. <laughs> Everything's going to fall apart, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, quite intense. Um, Impressive. But it, but it was also really, I felt, I felt so great once I'd done it. I was like, yes, mm. finally. I, like it, it had been in my mind for years to, to create something. And then this idea just felt a little bit easier than the other ideas I had, you know. Mm. And I, I still have other ideas on the back burner, like bubbling away. Right. But this one felt like, oh, I can do this right now because I, I know my voice inside out. I know how to teach voice. I've taught voice for years to kids and adults. And I'm like, sure, I can, I can do that. You know, why not just make it like how I teach it, you know? Right. No, I think that's really inspiring. And, you know, that's when I, why recently when I had the Profitable Musician Summit, I had a whole day about teaching and, yeah. you know, talking about being able to teach online and creating yeah. courses. Because I think that so many musicians have this like superpower that they do like in a way that no one else does that they yeah. can share and they just don't have any clue how to get that online and turn it into something people can consume. Yeah. And that summit, by the way, was amazing. Oh, I didn't get to watch all, all the videos because I was busy touring as well. But a little when, busy. <laughs> I was a little busy, but I did catch whatever, whatever I could when I had time. And I was like, oh, this is such great content. It's mm. amazing. It's like Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Well, on that note, what, do you have any resources that you would recommend to musicians, um, whether it's about the business side, about the mindset side, you know, as far as like self-development, um, any like books or blogs or anything that you've really used over the years? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's definitely like, there's a fantastic book, which I read years ago and I always sort of go back to the exercises from it called The Artist's Way. Oh, yes. Um, there's but a bunch I think of people it's... in my academy going through that right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mary, is it Marianne Williamson? I think. No, it is uh, oh. Julia Cameron. Oh, sorry. Julia Cameron. Yes, it is. That's right. Um, yeah. The Artist Way. That was a really fantastic book to unlock that artist side, I think, and to really like honor the artist side of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of us, it takes time to actually accept that, oh, we are actually artists, you know, and, and to honor that side of us. Because it's so important to give that space and time to develop. Yep. And not just like push through and be like, oh, no, no, I have to just do this and do that and whatever. It's like, no, just like allow yourself to be an artist. Like artists need space and time to create, you know, <laughs> they, yep. they, need, they need to have different experiences to get, you know, inspiration. That's part of being an artist. You know? It is true. I think the constant struggle, you know, for me working with students and for them is yeah. like combining that 
with the goal setting and like, yeah, let's be productive and actually get something done and not just, you know, go wherever the wind takes us as artists. Yeah. 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 It's such a combination of, yeah, like, you know, the action and the structure side and then that freedom and creativity side, you really can have both, you know, (laughs) totally. Yeah. So that's one thing. And I think I like the, um, the CD Baby DIY podcast is really handy. That's like a free podcast. There's a lot of gold nuggets in there. And then there's a, like, I mean, there's lots of e-courses that I've done, which are great. And one of them, which is really good for mindset that I found was, used to be called Lucky Bitch. (laughs) Now it's called, uh, now it's called the um, Money Bootcamp. Denise Steffield Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have not dug into her stuff yet, but I've heard. Okay. Yeah. She's one of my mentors and like, I've, I've had, you know, done her courses, her course for years and I do it every round. You can do it again. And and I've just found that's really, um, it's not just about money, but it helps with money as well. It's like really about breaking through a lot of mindset stuff. Right. So yeah. Those are some great suggestions for sure. And yeah, no one's, People, a lot of people talk about the artist way on this show, but no one's ever mentioned Denise Duffield Thomas. And it, okay. it's been mentioned enough to me that I know I need to check into it for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, definitely do it. Cool. <laughs> and, cool. and for me, like, it's just, you know, it's a lot of these courses that you do as well are about the community and the people you meet. Mm-hmm. Like I've just met so many fantastic people through that course and others, but through that one, I've really, I've made really, really good friends through that. It's so true. I mean, I'm taking a course right now on publicity and just the people that I've met in there have been amazing. And, you know, there's a handful of people that are in the music space that I've met there and they're just awesome. So, you know, it's not always the people that we have to meet in our own space. Like I have plenty of friends that aren't musicians that I've met in other courses that have been really such great supporters. Yeah, I do, you know. And then yeah, exactly. that little enclave of like similar thinking musicians that are in a course with you. And it's like, wow, like this is really yeah. energy. Yeah, definitely. And it's so great when you meet, like, you know, you meet all these people online and then you meet them in, in real, I, say, I always yes. say in real person, in real person, like <laughs> in real life, in real person, like you meet them and it's like, it's just as good, if not better. Like when you meet them in real life, it's like, wow, we really, we re- really connect and resonate. And there's just some magic there, you know? For sure. I love, I love sure. that. Well, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you online. Cause I'm sure after hearing all the wisdom that you have here, they're going to want to connect with you. Thank you. Um, well, I think the best way is either through my website, prita.com.au, and you can sign up to my email list on there and email me through that. Um, you also get a free download of an album, you know, <laughs> as you do. Or you can also join me on um, Facebook, Prita Greeley on Facebook. I'm, I'm all over the place. So yeah, either way is like a great way to connect. Yeah. In case you're just listening, it's Prita, P-R-I-T-A dot com.eu, right? A-U. A-U, sorry. Yeah. For Australia. I'm thinking Europe, but yeah, (laughs) from Australia and you're all over Europe. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been really, really great to to finally get to know you. Yeah, you too. We're not in real person, but I'm actually seeing you and, you know. It's like in real, cy- in real cyber time right now. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Well, thank you so yeah. much for all that you've, you've offered our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by 
femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.